Good morning, church. A few years ago, I was using a riding mower at, uh, I, was, I was mowing someone else's lawn with, with the riding mower. And I had finished up and I was driving it back to the house. And uh, I was, the street was kind of downhill and I was going downhill. I had the mower set on its highest setting. But I could just feel, I could feel it would go faster if I put it into neutral and let, let gravity just take me down the hill. So on the mower, there are two, there's two settings uh, that are involved here. Uh, the first is the speed setting, and on the front there's a control, and, and it's a speed on how fast you go. And I had it all the way up, just as fast as it could go. Then on the side, next to the seat, there's a lever, and you move it forward, that's for forward. You put it in the middle, that's neutral, so the wheels will just, you, will just roll. And then backwards, uh, you move it back to go in reverse. Well, I'm just going to go for it, so I move that, that lever back to neutral, but I moved it too far and put it into reverse. And the mower is on its highest setting. The sudden change of direction threw me up on top of the mower, and I'm looking into the headlight, holding on, going back up the hill. And I thought, this thing is moving. And if I can just get it into neutral, I would stop. So I, I can't reach it. It's too far back, and I can't really let go. So I use my foot, and I find it, and I pull it forward, but I pulled it too far, which put it back into forward. It, the, it threw me into the seat, and I grab the steering wheel, and I take off down, and the front wheels start to come up into the air. But it, I spilled off the back, and I'm holding the steering wheel, running down the hill as fast as the mower can go. I push the front and hop back up onto the seat, and I thought, this is fast enough. There was a car that had driven by at the start of my adventure. I waved at them the second time they drove around. Uh, Ryland, Pastor Ryland, asked me to speak this weekend. I just wanted you to know who you're dealing with. I'm the student pastor. I teach your children. This weekend is a second Sunday of the month. That's when we do our big student service every month, from college down to seventh grade. We do a service once a month for our students. And Pastor Ryland is actually going to be speaking at our student service. So we're excited about that. We're in a series called Wrestling with Religion. Now, I, I am a news reader. I like to read news online. And I also like to go down to the bottom and read the comments section, comments that people have written. And almost always, there is someone blaming religion for the world's faults. The Jews are secretly in control. It's the Christian's fault. 
It's because of Islam that we have all these problems. Uh, religion is divisive. And Pastor Ryland talked about that last week. And one of the things people say is that all religions are the same. And some want to get rid of religion. Others think that all religions end up the same place. They think there are many ways to God. No matter what you believe, as long as you believe it with all your heart, you'll be fine. Well, we wrestled with that word divisive last week. Today, we're talking about the word irrelevant. Irrelevant. And the definition we're using for irrelevant is uh, not useful, not helpful, not beneficial. And a lot of people view church people as not helpful, not useful. Some people have that because of their experience that they've had at church. Their experience in church is similar to, to my experience on the mower. They want to go, but this is, not, this is not helpful. All of a sudden, their life is going backwards. Like, I, this isn't beneficial. Their life is thrown out of control. They stay away from church because when they do go to church, they feel judged. You know, I, know the, I know the bad things I've done. I don't need some stranger telling me this stuff. This isn't helpful to my life. I don't need this. Some walk into a church and say, I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand what they're saying. This isn't helpful. Some have experiences with church people that aren't helpful or beneficial, and they walk away. Now, they like Jesus. Uh, they even like Christian music. But I can do this on my own. Church isn't helpful or useful or beneficial. It's irrelevant. Now, maybe you've had an experience like that. I've been there. I've been around some church people that were not helpful. But when church people are doing what the church is supposed to do, it is helpful. It's useful. It's beneficial. It allows us to make an impact on the world around us. I lead a high school boys small group. And in our group this last week, the guys were talking about the last week's message from Pastor Ryland. They were talking about religion being divisive. And it came up in a classroom setting. What happens in a classroom setting when the professor goes up to the board and writes, Christianity's body count. The cause of all wars are because of religion. Well, Last week we learned that's not true at all. But that can be intimidating in a classroom setting. And high school boys are saying, at church, I learn stuff. And I loved my guy's soft-hearted view of when this happens. They said when a teacher who is skeptical of Christianity, uh, a teacher who is skeptical of Christianity might not be opposed to religious beliefs. Maybe they're just ill-informed or using facts that are outdated. When I see science show and I hear that Sir Isaac Newton was religious, but he kept God or intelligence out of his science, well, it was in my small group that I heard about Sir Isaac Newton talking about the arrangements of the planets. Sir Isaac Newton said, this most beautiful system of sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Being with a capital B. 
He is making an argument for the exact placement of the planets. He's saying, my law of gravity explains why all this holds together, but it doesn't explain how they got configured to maintain this balance of forces. It, it is complex physics to see how all those planets with their gravity affecting each other and maintaining stability. It was in the church that I learned that Newton's best explanation was that there must be an intelligent being. So be patient with others. The evidence is on your side. In your notes, we're going to look at what James wrote. James is the brother of Jesus. Same mother, different father. Jesus is the son of God. James is the son of Joseph. James wrote a letter to the church in Jerusalem. James helped start the church as we know it. This is the beginning, and here is what James writes. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, don't take verse 17 out of context. Faith by itself isn't enough. He is talking about feeding and clothing people. And faith alone isn't going to feed and clothe people. Now, let me say this clearly. Faith is the only way we can have a relationship with God. We can't earn God's forgiveness. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't get faith by doing good works. But once we have received God's forgiveness through faith, it should change us. One of the biggest ways church people can impact others is by the way we help. People in the church are supposed to help. In our fifth and sixth grade small groups, every summer they have a trip to Garrison's campground in the Ozark area of Missouri. They have been going there for years. And in 2012, I thought it would be interesting to take older students, junior hires, senior hires, back to that campground and help out. See if they, could, if they could just help the campground. So I drove down there, and I met with the owners, and I, I told them my idea. And uh, they said, well, what can you do? And I, I looked around, and on some of the cabins, I noticed that the, the decks, the wood was weathered, rotted, uh, fallen apart. And I said, could I bring a group of uh, junior hires and come down and take this deck apart on this cabin that you use to make a living. And, and she said, okay. <laughs> they took a chance on us. So we rolled in with a group of students, and we took the deck apart. And it went, the boards went around the cabin. They went over to this side where the boards were sanded on every side. 
They went around to this side where the boards were stained and sealed on every side. And they came back around and we rebuilt the deck. And then the owner showed up and went, oh, we have been invited back every year. <laughs> Last year, that campground, they're right on the river, uh, and they had horrible flooding. And they're, they're used to flooding. They're prepared for flooding. But last year, the river came up 26 feet. And I got a call from them, and they said, this, this, is, this is bad. We're going to be okay. God is in control, uh, but we need help. Uh, the river has taken hundreds of picnic tables and taken them down river. We've been pulling picnic tables out of trees. I mean, it smashed them, broke them up. Uh, could, you, could you come build some picnic tables for us? Could you repair tables? So a group of students from Rockbrook built, repaired, refinished over 100 picnic tables. Students learning how to refinish, teaching each other how to sand, how to use tools, studying the Bible, teaching each other how to grow their faith. When someone was in trouble, this was so honoring for me. When they were in trouble, they called the church that would help. That was a big deal. This year, that camp is hosting a retreat for a deaf group, and they asked if I could bring a group of students and build a deck for the deaf group to use. They'd provide the materials, but uh, would our students come and do that for them? Our church students are known for their helping and are trusted to do a good job. The owners of this campground have been invited to speak at other events and uh, other places. And they said, when we go speak somewhere, we tell people about Rockbrook Church. We tell your story about how students and a pastor showed up and started helping. The first year we went, the local newspaper heard about us helping. And the paper wrote a story about Rockbrook students and printed one of the photos and they wrote that we were doing some kind of pay it forward, like it was a campaign. They, they were just trying to make sense of why a group would come and just help. We weren't doing a pay it forward, we're just helping. It's shocking to people. They're trying to make sense of something that they think is confusing. That makes an impact. So why do we need the church? Can't you just help people on your own? Why do you need to be part of a local church? In the Bible, there are different word pictures that are used to describe the church. A group of believers who gather together. And I want to talk about three of those words that describe the church. The first is the body. The body. I have a part to play. I want to read a letter read from a letter that was written to the Christian church in Rome. It says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. The picture there is that the local church is like a body. It has hands and feet and ears, and you have a unique part in that body. Each one of us is important. Why do I need to be part of the church? How good is a hand without, when it's detached from the body? 
You are needed and created by God. Why do you need a church? You need the church to play your part. Just last week, I was hearing about parents talk about one of our high school guys. Jake. Jake works on the registration team. And they were saying how Jake knows so many of the children's names. And he gets people signed in when they come in the door before they even step up to the registration table. Uh, He is so friendly. And they said, he's so helping. That's what caught my ear. Helping. Jake is on the registration team making a difference. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines. You're not using your gift. We would love to get you connected. We have a variety of ways to get you connected. And you're not just stuck serving on one team forever, all right? You are welcome to try different areas. That is no problem. We are ready for you. As you begin serving, you're going to find out how you're gifted. We have a class process, 101, 201, 301. And when you get to 301, that's when it's all about your gifts and serving. And we spend some time talking with you about what makes you, you. You have a part to play, and you need the church to make that connection. Another description of the church is a flock. A flock of sheep, not seagulls. Uh, The image there is, I am cared for and protected when I'm part of the flock. John 10.10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. When you are part of the flock, you are cared for and protected. Sheep on their own are vulnerable. They get, sheep on their own get picked off. And it's not really a compliment to be called a sheep because they're not the, they're not the brightest. All right? But that is a really good picture of how we function, of how we function as, a, as part of the church. That's why I love to give to Rockbrook Church. Rockbrook Church is a helping place. And when I give, I know that marriages are being saved. Parents learn how to be better parents. The hurting are comforted. When I give, the hungry are fed. The friendless find friends. People with serious questions find answers. Word about Jesus gets out. When I give... I am helping other organizations that Rockbrook Church supports, organizations that feed people, that clothe people, that give counseling, shelter those who are in domestic abuse, deal with crisis pregnancy, uh, help the homeless, give spiritual and physical help to men. When I give to the flock of Rockbrook, I am helping plant churches across the United States. I am supporting seminary training of pastors in the United States and around the world. Uh, The giving helps to plant churches and train pastors in India and in Russia. It helps the persecuted church across the globe. When I give to Rockbrook, people are cared for and protected. That is useful. That is helpful. That's beneficial. The next picture. The church is a family. When you're part of a family, it's a place for me to belong and grow. Uh, I will say this. A healthy family 
is a place for you to belong and grow. If your family is healthy, there is nothing closer than those relationships that you have with the family. Your brothers, sisters, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, there is nothing tighter than those relationships. And they stand the test of time in healthy families. It's in a family that God designed children to grow. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Uh, would you circle that word adopt? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God views us as his family. We are his sons and daughters. And when you're part of a family, it is a place where you belong. It is a place where you grow. Now, in a large church, this may not seem like family. Okay? This is more like a family reunion. All right? And at a family reunion, I have no expectation that everyone would know all of my needs and what's going on in my life. That is not my expectation at a family reunion. But I do have the expectation that my immediate family, I expect my, the close members of my family to know what's going on in my life. And I share my life with them. Rockbrook Church as a whole is one big family. But we need you to get connected with an immediate family. That's a small group. Uh, you can't be best friends with 1,200 people. You, you can't be best friends with 200 people. But you can be in close relationship with 10 people. You can know what's going on in each other's lives, and you can do life with them. We can get you, we can help you get connected into a small group. Uh, online at rockbrook.org or at the information table. On your own, you get isolated. Years ago, I was walking down the hallway in our home, and as I walked past my daughter's bedroom door, there was a note taped to her door. And it said, Don't disturb, I am not a little girl. I have no idea what was going on with her, so we, we just left her in a room for five years. <laughs> God desires you to be part of his body because you have a part to play. God wants you to be part of the flock where you can be cared for and protected. God wants you to be part of his family because he wants you to grow. When church people do these things, when church people say, I'm going to get plugged in, I'm going to commit, that's when the local church is helpful, is useful, is beneficial. I didn't leave my daughter in her room. But I was reminded of that note because she wrote a valentine to me a few weeks ago. And in a healthy church family, she is in a place where she belongs and she grows. At the start of the year, Rockbrook did a prayer service every morning for 21 days. Uh, I woke up the children every morning and brought them to that prayer service. It was hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm not one who says, oh, I love to wake up early and go to church and pray. In fact, I celebrated when the 21 days were over. <laughs> it's hard. 
We are in a small group. Uh, our kids are in small groups. That's hard. Uh, and I celebrate when our small groups take breaks. Uh, it's just hard. We serve at the weekend services. Our children serve at the weekend services. That's hard. Especially when you have to wake up an hour earlier. Is all that stuff, is all that stuff useful? Is all that stuff helpful? Is all that stuff beneficial? Is it worth it? This was my Valentine from our 13 year, from my 13 year old daughter. Dear Dad, I love you so much. It is so fun to have you as a teacher, youth pastor, and my dad. You teach me so much, and you love to serve God. You are a great role model to your kids, and I love you so much. I believe the church is useful. <laughs> I believe the church is helpful. I believe the church is beneficial. Let's go back to that word that you circled. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. If God decided to adopt us into his family, that means that in our natural state, we're not a part of his family. Why are we not born into God's family? Well, it's because of sin. Sin separates us from God. We sin, we do things that hurt ourselves, that hurt others. Because God is perfect and holy, he cannot associate with sin. But God wants us in his family. So he decided to adopt us. And adopting a child is an expensive process. Uh, it takes huge commitment on many different levels. It, a huge financial commitment. And, and I've never seen an adopting family say, oh, all that money we spent, yeah, it wasn't really worth it. I've never had that conversation. But I have heard I would pay double. I would spend the rest of my life paying off that debt because that kid is so important to me. God paid a price, a big price for us as well. That sin problem isn't something that we can solve ourselves. You can't serve your way out of a sin problem. You can't help your way out of a sin problem. You can't good works your way out of a sin problem. God paid the penalty for our sin. He paid it with his own life. God came down here in the flesh as Jesus Christ, and he paid the penalty for our sin. He died in our place. That's a big payment. The price has been paid. The offer is out there. The question is, are you going to accept it? God doesn't drag you into his family. He doesn't trick you into his family. The offer is there, but you have to choose to accept it. You do that through faith. Trust, depend on him alone, accept that forgiveness. If that is something that you would want to do to become part of the family, you can do that right now. Would you all bow your heads with me? What does it look like to accept that offer? Well, it happens by telling God what you want. Talking to God is, we call that prayer. And I'm going to say a prayer right now, and maybe you don't know what to say, maybe Pray something like this to God. God, thank you for loving me. It is my desire to be part of your family. I am accepting your offer of forgiveness. God, I don't deserve it. 
I know I can't earn it, so I thank you for it. I know I need it. I've done things in my life, sin, stuff I'm ashamed of. Today, I am turning to you and accepting your forgiveness. I am putting my faith and trust in you alone. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. God, I want you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.